Hello, and welcome to On Staging, a community theater-focused discussion podcast highlighting the development and staging of community theater productions in Calgary. Today, I have the pleasure of being joined by Claire Bolton and Aaron Weir, the co-artistic directors of Full Circle Theater, who are putting up Riverona, Episode 1, Two Households, this weekend at the Evergreen Spaces Theater. Full Circle Theater has a storied history already with Shakespeare, having put on Romeo and Juliet at the Art Box on 17th way back in 2014. And before that, Winter's Tale in 2013, A Midsummer Night's Dream in 2012, and The Taming of the Shrew in 2011. And Claire and Aaron, you are both no strangers to Shakespeare, as I have read on Aaron's blog, A Flimsy Plan, and the work Claire has done with the Shakespeare Company Calgary. Fans of community theater would probably not know Claire's work with multiple community theater companies in Calgary, and her CAD Award win as the stage manager for Scorpio's 1984 in 2018, and nomination for 2017's Best Production for FRC's Reefer Madness. But Claire has been contributing her talents as a stage manager to multiple community theater companies in Calgary for almost a decade now. Welcome both of you to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Both of you went through the University of Calgary's Fine Arts program from 2005 to 2009. But how did the two of you meet? There. Yeah, we met at U of C. Yeah. I was in the Marriage of Figaro in our first year at U of C, and Claire was the costume 222 student. Yeah. So she laced up my corset. And the next year, we were in acting class together. Mm -hmm. We joined the DUS executive board together. Yeah. And then when we graduated, we realized that as young women in a sea of young women, we were going to have to make our own opportunities. It's mm-hmm. very true. Yeah. And when did you realize that you wanted to tie the knot together and co-artistic direct something? So I did an after uh, BED degree at Queen's, which was the Artist and Community Education degree. It's a super specialized program, and it is focused on being an artist in the community and an educator. And I got home from that and realized I absolutely did not want to be a high school drama teacher. So Claire and I were going to somehow make a go of a professional theater life together. Yes, that is accurate. I think we like sat down in higher ground because that's where university theater things happen. It's where they all happen. And we picked Taming of the Shrew as our first show. Yes. For reasons that I cannot recall. I think because of Kate. Like, I I really only think that was the reason. We were like, we like Kate. Yeah. Let's do this show. (laughs) Uh, Because we knew, like, we wanted to do shows with amazing female leads, and we wanted to do something public domain, and we love Shakespeare. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we landed on Shrew. That was was where we went. It was at the Cardell Theater. Yes. Which is not a great space for theater. (laughs) No, it's a lecture hall. They pretend it's a theater, but it's not. But we borrowed things from local high schools. We borrowed a box from someone who's in community theater, and that was our set. Oh, yeah. And we somehow talked Jeffrey Olenek into playing Petruchio while he was doing professional theater. Like, he wasn't equity yet, but he somehow agreed to come on board with our weird little play. Yeah. And it was... It was a show. It was a show. It happened. (laughs) There was a piano stage left that we weren't allowed to move. Yes. And there was no crossover, which we only found out when they allowed us to see the space like a week 
before show. Oh, yeah. And so Full Circle's always kind of towed a line between community theater and professional theater. You've never been a member of Calgary Acts that I could find the history on. So where do you guys see yourself in regards to this? Bill Torrey had a great article. I'll kind of lead you here in case you want to go with that as an an answer while you think (laughs) of your own. There's a great article with Bill Torrey. He said, community theater is a misnomer. It makes it sound like it's just a bunch of people who don't know what they're doing, getting up on stage for their friends and family, whereas he liked to call it recreational theater. It's people with a great deal of skill and knowledge and know-how, but who do not wish to do this in a professional capacity. They want to do this for fun. This is something that they want to do and spend their free time on, and but it's something that they're skilled and knowledgeable in. And so he always wanted to call it recreational theater, and of course it never stuck. Oh, it's long. Um, yeah, it's a long word. It is. I mean, community is also about the a same. Long word. <laughs> yeah. I think we call ourselves indie theater. Yes. Yeah. That's where we would lie. We're an independent collective of artists who just want to make fun, cool crap together. Yes. That's very, very true. And I think, you know, we started this because we were early career. We just wanted to give Mm -hmm. our friends opportunities. And now we've met so many amazing people in all stages of their careers. Mm -hmm. And we just want to keep playing with them. Yeah. I feel like the other thing too, is we really try to cast people in the types of roles they don't necessarily usually get cast in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, uh, Megan Baldry plays the lead Juliet in our show. Mm -hmm. And she gets cast as like, Boys, as he best friends. Yeah, nurses, maids, prostitutes. Yeah. But she's a phenomenal actress. She is. With this incredible grasp of language. Yeah. And so she's been a lead for us, I think, three or four times. Yeah. And it was Persephone when we wrote the Persephone myth show that we did that we asked her to pick. We asked everybody to pick Mm -hmm. their top three roles that they wanted in the show because we collectively wrote it together. And Megan was like, I put Persephone, but they're never going to make me Persephone. And we're like, Megan would be a fantastic Persephone. Let's make her Persephone. It's perfect. The perfect one for the show. She was like, really? Like, yeah, Avi. And she's like, I I get to be the romantic lead? And we're we're like, like, yeah, "Yeah, Avi. (laughs) It was was a rom-com. And she's funny and beautiful and... And witty and like... I have a completely different (laughs) vision of who Megan is because I was in Shakespeare in Love with Megan and all we did was fight the whole time, (laughs) nonstop. Oh, I mean, yes, 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 that that tracks, all of that tracks. I mean, we also fight with Megan. But Megan was Tybalt in that show and so it was very uh, rough and tumble. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. On the same note, you also cast Caleb Gordon as Lord Montague, as Coach Montague in Riverona. Yes. Which I think was also an equally inspired choice on your part and not a typical sort of Caleb role. Yes. Uh, So that's in the same vein of uh, you're not casting people in... In their normal... Caleb is having so much fun with it, too. He's taking that character and playing with it so well. Yeah. Mm. And every performance is different. Like just little different twists on the lines mm-hmm. or his running. He changes up how he runs every night. Yeah. That's hilarious. It's really funny. You have found a, a really good cabal of individuals for this show mm-hmm. that are very good with playing with intention. And none of the show seemed rehearsed or over practiced 
or trite. You know what I mean? Where you've memorized a line so well that the delivery is has become stale. This entire cast is, has been eating their very not stale Wheaties. So really, really well done in that regard. It's so strange having seen the show <laughs> and then and talking, talking to, to, to you about it. Yeah. So tell me, how did Riverona come into existence? Tell, paint the picture for me. So Megan and Hans, uh, during the pandemic, decided to have a bunch of people over in their backyard because, as you know, the pandemic was not great for theater. And they were like, you know what, let's just get together, read some Shakespeare, have some drinks and laughs in our backyard. We're like, great, perfect, sounds cool. And there was a bunch of different scenes from various Shakespeare shows. And one of them was a balcony scene from Romeo and Juliet. And we just sort of at random picked different scenes we'd like to read. And Megan and Hans ended up reading that one. And we were dying. We were in stitches. It was so funny. Yeah. We were like, wait, hold up here. Funny? Romeo and Juliet? Okay, we know Shakespeare plays and toes the line of comedy and tragedy and so on. But the balcony scene is not a scene that you typically consider funny. Mm, okay. So Megan then came to us after and mm. was like, so I really like the process that you have of the collective creations that we've done. And we, as you know, read and it was very funny. And I want to pitch this idea to you of Romeo and Juliet as a comedy. And we're like, yes, 100%. Let's do it. And through our writing team of us and Megan and Hans and then Aaron's brother, Kevin, we developed what is now River Rona. Yeah, I think we landed on the initial concept because we're all 30. And we look 30. We don't look 18. No. So we were like, we got to lean hard into that. We've got 30-year-olds playing teenagers. And who else has 30-year-olds playing teenagers? Right. And I want to just jump in here Mm -hmm. because Kevin and Aaron, gentle listener, have a podcast. Congratulations on 150 episodes, by the way, called Mystery Outsiders and Abs, Mm -hmm. of which a principal (laughs) discussion point for the two of you has been reviewing and critiquing and (laughs) discussing and then sidetracking yourselves on Riverdale and other associated shows. So we Mm -hmm. are experts in the form. We know what doesn't work. We know what would make it better. We know the tropes. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yes, you are experts on the topic of Riverdale. What an (laughs) embarrassing thing. (laughs) That's so funny. I could talk about Riverdale for hours. And if you ever get me out socially, Kevin and I will be screaming to the heavens about how this show has so much potential. And so much wasted potential, too, at times. But um, yes, that's a whole other topic. (laughs) So it initiates with Megan and Hans Mm -hmm. talking about Romeo and Juliet being a comedy. Yes. That's not a unique idea. No. Uh, as you said in your blog, Good Night Desdemona, Good Morning Juliet, which you you discussed at length mm-hmm. and talked about how much you loved it, despite the fact you didn't remember reading it in university, <laughs> which, which is apropos because I was just in it last year for Morpheus mm-hmm. Theater. Mm-hmm. And that production, wildly wonderful for women, like what a great meaty set of roles that is, especially for femme presenting individuals. That show postulates that Romeo and Juliet could have been uh, a comedy, a comedy yes. if it had just had a fool in it. Yes. Right. It is It is sans fool. Mercutio probably should have been the fool and then is killed. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. 
And this is what you end up with is this tragedy. So if Mercutio had lived, things might have gone well. And that is one of the key points I want to talk about. When So percolate in your brain is what the heck is going on with Mercutio. <laughs> uh, and I want to know spoilers for future episodes. Oh, yeah, um, we can drop oh, some yeah, teasers. Which 100%. would be great. So Megan comes and says, Romeo and Juliet should be a comedy. Kevin and Aaron are standing there and they're like, we know 30-year-olds pretending to be teenagers really well with Riverdale. Yes. And then who was the one that said Riverona? I think it just came out of It was a stand-in title. Yeah, we were just it was being a joke. dumb. But who did it? Who did I, you remember it's gotta at all? Be Megan. I was going to say it has to be Megan. I don't even remember. I think I originally pitched it as, oh gosh, something terrible. It was like Shakespeare Dale or yeah. something. It was something. And then we're like, they live in Verona. And we like Riverdale, Riverona. And then we're like, we'll find something better later. No, no, we never did. There's nothing better. No. I'm not going to lie. That is generally how naming of everything works. Okay, so you've got a working title of Riverona. Mm -hmm. Who all is working on this script? The five of us, me and Aaron, Hans, Mm -hmm. Megan, and Kevin. Wow, that is a lot of writers. So how did you divvy that up? So. We really just fell into roles. Kevin's a published author. He's a big, big writer. And Megan loves writing. Mm -hmm. So after many, many hours spent at First Street Market from like 7 p.m. until 9 p.m. on Tuesdays, we eventually settled into a rhythm where Kevin and Megan would go and write scenes. Yep. And then they would bring them back the next week. We would read them out loud. So people have heard a lot of weird things in First Street Market. If you were ever hanging around First Street Market on a Tuesday for about the past two years and heard some weird things between 7 and 9 p.m., that was us. <laughs> and then we would punch things up. So, you know, we'd read the skeleton of the scene and then we would pitch jokes mm-hmm. and we'd read them again and try them out. We all had characters that we regularly read. Yeah. Um, we knew who we five were going to play. Nope, that's a that's lie. lie. Well, we knew we originally had me slated as Lady Capulet. Okay. But essentially, I just got too busy. <laughs> that was really <laughs> all it was. I basically, this past theater season, I worked the whole season. And so I was like, I need a smaller role. <laughs> And then by pure kismet, we held auditions for Nurse, and we probably auditioned 35 women. Wow. And no one quite got the nurse. Mm -hmm. Um, We had written that she was super, super sweet, super overworked, you know, beleaguered public servant. Yeah. And everyone came in very sassy or very sexy or, like, very angry. And Claire just had this innate light when Mm. she read her during our first street market writing sessions. Mm -hmm. And we finally realized that she was the only person we could find to do it. And it gave you opportunity to wear your short shorts again. Yes. Yeah. 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 Short shorts and a crop top. Always. (laughs) It's like every show. It's my go-to. That is your go-to costume shows. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The last one was Vag Apple. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Porcelain dolls. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I want to conjecture that it may have be that Claire's the only person who's right for the nurse role because she's read it, read it so many times for you, mm. but also because the nurse role is typically played by a male. And yes. if you only audition femme presenting people, you might not have gotten the energy that we were looking, that you were for. looking for because they are a cross-dressed role. That's a super interesting mm-hmm. point. And yeah. you know, we did put all of the roles open for any gender. 
any presentation, and we got quite a few Lady Capulet male presenting people submit. Of course. But no one for nurse. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm just conjecturing. And also, I may be a bit connected to it because I have played the nurse in Romeo and Juliet twice. So... So do you want to replace Claire? You can no, wear your I'm short really shorts. good. Yes. I, am, I am so good to not, uh, yeah. not run around the stage in six inch heels. I hear yes. you. I, yeah. I would like to commend your entire cast for the amount of heel work that was done in that show. It's all. Every, so many people are in heels. Surprising people are in heels. Yes. Although when you think about it, it's not surprising at all because literally the last show a certain individual did. Yes. Oh yeah. They got those heels yes. for that show. So I was not shocked the way the rest of the audience was. It's a great reveal. It We've is. got it's two amazing. really awesome costume reveals. We do. Yes. yes. Oh, there's there's some amazing costume moments in this show. There are some amazing, mm-hmm. like the things you do with your minimal set is amazing as well. And just mm-hmm. just the sheer mime work that's being done, not only by Caleb, but everybody around him rising to Caleb's own miming quality of the car and the truck. Like the stage manager timed things exactly right with Caleb last night. It was perfect. When he stopped the car, the world stopped moving. When he got out of the car, the thing changed. When he pointed to the tree, it, ch- it was brilliant. Like so well manicured between the two. We have to shout her oh, out. Elizabeth to. Houghton is a fourth year university student yes. at UFC. She came to us by accident. Yes. And she is incredible. That's wonderful. We oh, are yeah. going to lose her. She's going to be doing professional theater within oh, two sh- years and have an yeah. insane career. Yeah. Why would she with Claire as her mentor guiding her through all of the stage manager tricks of the trade well, that you know so well? <laughs> that's why. <laughs> she will move on. She'll do very, very well for herself. Isn't it always better when the student rises beyond the master? Well, yes. Yes, it is. But also for those of you who do not know, I am and a full equity stage manager. Oh, yes. Yes. yes you are. And, and uh, you just recently did the importance of being earnest yes. with Theater Calgary yes. as the assistant stage manager. That was a good experience. It was fantastic. I love That's it. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. I've worked with Alexandra Kalman a couple of times oh, through some her. Jupiter Theater projects. Yeah. So I wish I'd gotten to see that show. It sounded like it was brilliant. It's very it's fun. It's such a good script. Oh, it's magic. But I digress. Yes. We are at First Street Market. Yes. Yes. We are reviewing weekly. Was it intended to be just one single show? Sure was. And because of the influence of Riverdale upon it, it just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And then we really decided to lean into the TV show aspect of it because we're like, well, we already have the brainchild of four episodes. Uh, we, we have to lean into the TV show aspect of it. When did that happen? I think that was actually pretty early on, too. So is it still 2021, or? I want to say we knew it was going to be a TV show in, like, spring of 2022. Yeah, that sounds about right. The first episode was done its first draft in August of 2022. Okay. Mm -hmm. And we sat in Megan and Hans's backyard, and we convinced all of our friends to come with beer and chips. And they came. And lawn chairs. Yes. And they sat around. How many people? And we read it. 17. I was going to say, yeah. Wow. Yeah. How'd it go? Amazing. We got lots of super useful feedback. Mm -hmm. John Knight came and read with us. And after we read, he kind of had a look on his face. And we were like, hey, John, did you like the show? And he went, I don't 
think it's for me. And then he left and he sent wow. us pages of notes where he was like, oh, I just did, you know, I don't think I get the concept. Okay. But his questions made the show better. Yes. It's because of him that Rosline is arguably our main character. Mm-hmm. She's the one with the arc. She is. It's her It's her story, this go round. It was very clear. It was really well done. But I would honestly say the other biggest story arc that happens in that is Lady Capulet. Yes. yes. So it makes perfect sense for a Riverdale episode that the two central characters are the ones that have the central conflict and it ends on a cliffhanger. Yes. So well yeah. done in that regard. Yeah. I'm here for this. Yeah, Let's I'll, go. I'll We're only five minutes I'll, in. Yeah. May, maybe I'll figure it out. They just maybe I won't. sang a theme song. So, and we did. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. <laughs> uh, love the theme song. I even forgot it happened. <laughs> yeah. I said in my podcast review of the show, which you may not have heard, mm-hmm. but people who are listening to this probably have because it came up first. <laughs> I said that it's, you say it's 75 minutes. It's actually more like 90, but it feels like 45. Great. So it feels like you've only just watched an extra long episode of a Riverdale episode. That's how it feels. 45, 50-ish minutes. That's great That's to fantastic. hear. fantastic. Yeah. Yes. We cannot comprehend why it keeps being so long. No. No. No? I mean, there's a lot of words. There are a lot <laughs> yes, of words. Yes, there are a lot of words. <laughs> <laughs> that might be what's making it long. I don't, I don't know about you, but it's there's it, a lot of words. It's only 42 pages, Kyle. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Every time we read it, it's like a surprise that it reads at one fifteen. Yeah. Like every time we're like, oh, oh God. And last night was a running time. I swear. I it, You started just after 7 and we were out of there by like 8.30, 8.40. Yeah. So, I think yeah. we came down at 8.35 last yeah. night. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. We started a little bit late. We held the house for an important guest. Oh, yes, you did? Yes, we yeah. did. Yeah. We had, cool. an artist, we had an artistic director in town come. And they were running just a few minutes late. And we were like, well, we're not going to close the doors on an AD. No. <laughs> no. You wouldn't no. do that. No. I think we officially started about 8.09 or 7.09 and came down at 8.35-ish. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So there you go. Yeah. Really well done. Beautiful show. Mm-hmm. In the backyard with 17 friends as well. <laughs> and now it's a year later from mm-hmm. that moment. What have you gone through to get to this? Uh a lot. That's a that's a terrible <laughs> answer, but like a lot of hashing out of where we want the story to go and what parts of Romeo and Juliet we actually want to keep because it's a big play mm-hmm. and we did actually as part of our original research was on a Zoom call read the full Romeo and Juliet. And that's where Peter came from because Peter is legitimately a character yep. in Romeo and Juliet that's always cut because they're a nonsense character. And we're like, no, no, no. We want those nonsense characters. They're coming back. Peter, you're in. You're in. Keep everything. Yeah. Yeah. And so from that, we sort of whittled down what each act of Romeo and Juliet was about and then what we wanted each episode of River Rona to be about. So where did we want to start keeping with all those teen drama tropes mm-hmm. and moving forward to go, do we need this? Do we need that? How'd you settle on yeah. four episodes of the show when there's five acts in? Act in... four is a nonsense act that needs nothing. <laughs> it's just about Romeo being sad in Mantua. I mean, it makes perfect sense why that would be a whole Riverdale episode of its own and you introduce a whole bevy of brand new characters. It'll be a special. <laughs> very right. special episode. Everything's a very special episode. So 
you've presented, you've got the first play written mm-hmm. for this the, of your of your quartet that you'll be doing, the tetralogy. The first one's done. Mm-hmm. Are the other three written? Two is fully written. It needs another pass it needs, through. Yeah, it's like, it needs another August long weekend get together with a bunch of friends in lawn chairs. Exactly. exactly. Okay. Yeah, and episode three is. Skeleton. I'd say episode written. three is like seventy percent yeah. there. Okay, and then episode four is about fifty percent there. Yeah, I mean everything's been plotted out because you know yes. where you want to yeah, end. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's very interesting. And so you're launching an Indiegogo in order to get two, three, and four published and produced. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. is no different from what Aristophanes and Sophocles had to do way, way, way back in you know Grecian times. Mm-hmm. They yeah. they literally would have presented their first, been working on the second. I mean, Shakespeare himself is also doing this too, right? He's mm-hmm. like, this is only Henry Farr part one. I'm still working on the second one. It's, it's a big history. I'm sorry, I got lots to do. He did mm-hmm. a lot. <laughs> So you are still following in Shakespearean motifs, having multiple plays using the same characters, Mm -hmm. doing the same things. When is the Indiegogo going to come about? Is that a is that a set date? Do you know and have a plan for for what you're going to do? Yeah, so it's launching in the fall, and we have right now we have our skeleton donor levels, and we have our perks like sort of set out, we're just landing on like our final dollar amount that we are mm-hmm. looking for. Yeah. Right. Because cost doing a theater is, it costs different things than it did the last time we were producing in 2017. Yeah. Especially if you want to build a set. Yes. Yes. Because yes. the cost of wood is so oh, steep yeah. now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you guys are just a little independent company mm-hmm. that doesn't have a ton of insane capital floating around you've definitely had to cut costs because i don't see the website anymore so um you've definitely had to reduce things as the years go Mm -hmm. by and that Mm -hmm. makes perfect sense so you're looking for this indiegogo to really help finance the plan to do episodes two three and four yes yes and we want to pay our actors you know this cast is insane they are putting yeah so much of themselves into Mm -hmm. it the show is what it is because these people come and collaborate and play with us. Yes. And because it is four episodes, four essentially like one act plays, and we do want to use I'd almost the say same... you could have bulked up the first episode a little longer. You could definitely have had an intermission when you had mm-hmm. the commercials. Yep. Oh, yeah. 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 But because we want to use the same actors, we do want them to also continue to invest right. their time with us the only way to do that is to pay them more exactly. every ep- every single yes. like so when we pick you up for season two <laughs> we're gonna have to pay you 1.2 times what you paid before yeah episode three will be even more money because yeah. that's how you retain them how it's, do you keep them otherwise exactly yeah. mm-hmm. and especially since it will be over a potential number of years it's a long time to also hold on to somebody to be like can we please have you because you you need to know what their schedule is going to look like and what your schedule is going to be so let's talk a little bit about that you know how much money you need Mm -hmm. what are you looking at for time schedules then for episodes two three Mm -hmm. and four i hate calling them episodes (laughs) but uh, i'm gonna keep doing that the TV show (laughs) so i mean our dream Mm -hmm. is to do a series over a spring or a fall. So our dream is to get this together for spring of 2024 yeah. and do one show each month and then do a binge wow. watch weekend at and, the end yeah. where we run the shows in repertoire. So you can come on you know, Thursday and see one and two. You can come on Friday and see three and four. 
on the weekends, we do like like the cursed child yeah. double days. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's our pie in the sky dream. That's yeah. a commitment. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you're you're talking about requiring a performer, an actor to have four full plays mm-hmm. blocked mm-hmm. and in their head. Yep. At one given time. Yep. Yep. That's a it's a big ask, but with the group we currently have, they're capable of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We actually performed the show at the Common Ground Festival in right. Tell me about uh, that. late yeah. June. Um, yeah, I don't know how we got picked. Our show is not an hour long. <laughs> <laughs> we tried real hard to whittle it down. But Troy Couliard went to U of C as well. He mm-hmm. is a great old friend of ours. Friend and of the show. Friend yes. of the show. And he gave us this amazing opportunity where he covered our rehearsal space. Yes. So all we had to do was get the people, costumes, props set together. Mm-hmm. He gave us rehearsal space and performance. And we did two shows and they were so well received. We had the most selling a show of the festival. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Um, and then we just, we knew we had to remount. So we asked all of our cast on closing night, if you want to come back, yep. we'll have you. We booked Evergreen. This mm-hmm. is the weekend. And all but five of them came back. Wow. Yeah. And the only reason the others didn't come back is because of prior commitments. Yeah. Vacations and trips and work mm-hmm. and whatnot. Exactly. Yeah, I understand. Edmonton Fringe Festival. You know. Whatever. whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we, we took a month and a half long break from the show. Yes. Basically, July, we took off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we came back in August. We booked five rehearsals and brought in our new people. Wow. And, and rehearsed them up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the show happened. Yes. And then people got sick. Yes. yes. <sighs> As we know, this is the time we live in, but we did have an actor, he was injured. And so he did have to, for his health, step away from the role for a couple of nights just to get better because Mm -hmm. he needs to get better. It happens. It does. That's part of live theater. It's it's not the first time I've worked on a show this season where an actor's gone out sick. I did one show where three actors went out sick at various points in time during the run. So it happens and you just Mm -hmm. have to adapt as best you can and be that an actor with script in hand covering whatever it ends up being having rehearsed understudies or something like that like it just you have to adapt to the current climate we live in with Shakespeare in Love said it the best it's a mystery it still manages to happen and it uh, goes off without a hitch and I don't know how or why but uh, it's a mystery it's wild What we ended up doing is we found out on Wednesday at about 4.45. Yes. Yeah. That our actor wasn't going to be able to join us that night. Yeah. And so I sent Claire a text message and I said, Claire, I'm going to call you. And then we both just kind of shouted at the heavens for about 10 minutes. Yes. And then we said, okay, who do we know? We've Mm -hmm. got two men with small roles in the show. Is this for Benvolio or is this for Paris? This is for Paris. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We have two men with small roles. Could we bump one of them up? But right. then what are the repercussions of that? Yeah. Our original Benvolio from Common Ground wasn't able to do this show, mm-hmm. but he would have been available on the 23rd. Do we call him? Mm-hmm. And then I think I had called my mother after I got off the phone with Claire, just spiraling. And she went, you know who's handsome? And I said, what? And she said, your brother, Brian. He's handsome. Call him. <laughs> so I sent Brian a message that said, hey, I have a theater emergency. Can you call me? And I caught him on his way home from work. And I said, 
can you dress nice and be here by seven? And he said, yeah. No, he said, yup. <laughs> yes, true. That, is, that is accurate. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I think he said, um, and I said, you can think about it for 10 minutes, but then you have to call me back. That's <laughs> and then yeah. he came. He did. And then all three of you siblings are on stage together. Yes. Yes. It's a weird family show. Has it ever happened? No. No. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. I've acted with Brian before mm-hmm. and I've acted with Kevin, mm-hmm. but Brian and Kevin have never been in anything together. When? No, Brian, they, Brian and Kevin yeah, switched that's off right. Roles. They were both in Winter's Tale, but not at the same time. That's hilarious. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, I think I've done five shows with Brian now. He's amazing. So, He's such yeah. a hard worker. He, he just like quietly gets the work done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's always patient. Yes. He doesn't have any ego. No. Just, no. Actually, he might have a bit more ego now than he did, say, 15 years ago. Well, but, you know, he can lift very, very heavy things yeah, now. That's a, that's a big True. part of it. Yes. When I first met him in 2014 when we did 12 Angry Men together. And he was the assistant, like the guard guy who walked yes. us in. And he was kind of the assistant mm-hmm. stage manager yes. with a small, small part. Now, that's where I first met him. I Such a lovely person. So Love that. Keep calling him up and be like, come join mm-hmm. another Gilbert and Sullivan show. And he goes, yup. <laughs> <laughs> And you're like, Brian, you have a two-year-old. And he's like, "Mm, yeah, yeah. figure it out. And he will. Lovely guy. Your cast is full of lovely, emotive, expressive Mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. But you were just telling us that you had to go about when you were doing the show at Common Ground to get all of the props and to get all of the pieces for it. Who was responsible for doing all those things? Who was your properties individual? Who was helping you on the back end of this show? Me. Yeah. <laughs> Kyle, here's the thing. When you have five people writing your show, right? you can do everything because there's five of you. It's not one person doing everything. Mm-hmm. Fair. But it's like you guys are like, and I said this in my review as well. It's like you kind of there from, you know, in, inception to, to death of this show. Like you were there for the creation. You did all the mm-hmm. writing. You're the co-artistic directors. And so therefore you're producing the show too. Mm-hmm. And now one of you is directing it. And the other one is the star of the show who's directing it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you're all in it. So who else have you had to engage and involve other than your amazing protege stage manager to to get to this point? I mean, I guess my mom <laughs> comes and say, helps us with costumes. Yeah, she, <laughs> she does. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's really it. I don't I, know. How who helped get the sound effects together? Who did did it? You did, did all the sound effects? Yeah, yeah. We did like a fitness class and then we went and sat in the lobby of Movology for an hour and drank a beer and, and made the things sounds. in QLab. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's adorable. <laughs> yeah. And then Kevin put together all the projections and the slideshows. So yeah. 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 Um Kevin filmed all of our videos. Yep. So this is really a ground up project. Yes. That the five of you have put together and and come together and then created this entire group of people that you'd like to continue to support and develop into an ongoing series. And Mm -hmm. is this just going to be a physical, in the space, in the moment, you have to see it live in order to have experienced it event? Or is there any plans to do something more with the property? I'm not sure yet. It's something that's on the table, but we haven't fully discussed with every member 
of the team what the future after the yeah. four is. How do we get it to other people? Because it mm-hmm. is a weird undertaking. Yeah. Right. You know, I can't see that any theater company is going to be like, yeah, we're going to do a season that's just all the same show. <laughs> but they might. They might. Yeah. I mean, the world's a big, wide, beautiful place. Yeah. They're always doing big, wide, beautiful things. Mm-hmm. You said in your blog that you didn't have any interest of being a TV actor, that you've always been drawn to the theater and that's mm-hmm. where your love is, but that you probably wouldn't say no to it if it came along. And this kind mm-hmm. of property could definitely be filmed. There's no way that this could not be filmed and edited into something that would be a remarkably mm-hmm. enjoyable experience. And But I say that because I've been recently watching a lot of dropout.tv with my Mm. family and friends. Mm -hmm. And there's a bunch of shows on Dropout, not just their Dimension 20 D&D stuff, but like there's a lot of their improvisational things that seems to almost fit this sort of show. And I will tell you, this show did not seem rehearsed and studied and practiced. This show seemed like one of those beautiful improvisational shows you went to see, like a long form Kinkanauts show or one of the old school improv guild shows where you left the show and you're like, they had to have talked about that beforehand. They had to have discussed that beforehand, but it all clicked together and it all came together as one in this beautiful individual singular moment. And for that, I mean, it was Mm -hmm. like this Mm -hmm. was scripted, but you made it feel spontaneous in the moment decisive like when lady capulet moves to kill rosalind sorry to spoiler that but you've already listened to my review yeah i was like oh no she's not gonna do it oh she is like it it seemed like an in the moment decision that just happened to come full circle for her when the dag when you know when chekhov's gun appeared when the dagger was pulled out we made so many references to chekhov's insert object (laughs) numerous objects of choice in the show (laughs) like it's Chekhov's this (laughs) I think part of that is the skill of Jeanette right yes that's just one example of the Mm -hmm, entire cast's skillful disposition it's the kind of show that leads very well to a casual feel which is wonderful to hear that that's what we captured. Like, mm-hmm. I love that because it's also, we were so strict about the actors getting their lines and like <laughs> delivering the jokes. Like we were so strict on that. We were like, yep. mm, no, the word is actually this. I know, like yeah. we were mean about it. Yeah. Well, not mean, but no, we were mean. I'm, oftentimes the writer's not in the room. Yes. Unless yeah. you're doing a dad and game play. The writer's not often in the room. Mm-hmm, That's a mm-hmm. big element of it. When you're the director, you are taking the writer's words and importing your vision into it. Mm-hmm. And so you want to be respectful to the words because that's all you have. You guys have more than that because there's intention behind the way these things were written. But back to my point about bringing in dropout.tv, like a lot of these things are filmed and turned into something pretty spectacular. Is that something you would consider doing with Riverona? Is that a part of the, you know, eventual Indiegogo campaign challenge? Or are you just looking to have this exist in the physical space? At the moment, just exist in the physical space. But once again, it could expand yeah i feel like our philosophy is we would love for it to be filmed we just have yeah. to find the right people exactly we don't no we do not have those skills no, <laughs> we, no, don't we don't do that we don't have the skills like kevin is the closest in our group who does have the skills but mm-hmm. it's also a huge undertaking to film and 
edit and all all of that. There's a lot of costs associated exactly, with that. Exactly, yeah. And so we would need to align ourselves with people who know more. Yeah. <laughs> Which is part of why we're doing this Indiegogo mm-hmm. so we can get reach and people can find out about this. Yeah, I would love to see that happen because having even just some film footage of what you've done will add longevity to the project, will show. And and if somebody hasn't seen episode one and they want to come see mm-hmm. episode two, how do they do that, right? Like, it's one thing for it to exist as its own individual instance. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a whole other thing to have seen the whole thing in its beautiful scope. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm just trying to think. How do you make that happen? <laughs> the Indiegogo campaign is about to start in the fall. Yes. Mm-hmm. You have three more episodes that are on the way, three more short plays mm-hmm. that are about that 90-minute mark. You've done a great deal of amazing work in putting together the visual representation of this show. Literally, when I landed on the landing page, I thought I was at some sort of Netflix TV show element. The That's what m- we wanted. multimedia component mm-hmm. of it confused me, though. <laughs> and I did not realize I was buying tickets to a show because, I mean, we're post-COVID times. So you oh, never yes. know if you're buying something that's already been pre-filmed and pre-done. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Brilliantly done. Who did that? Who put together the multimedia piece for the landing page for the show? Kevin. Kevin. <laughs> yeah, Kevin did all of that. Now, is Kevin yeah. your big brother? No, I'm actually the oldest. You're yeah. the oldest? Yeah. Kevin's just the tallest. Yes. yes. Very true. All right, yeah. You're the oldest, and then Kevin, and then Brian? Brian's the middlest, Brian's and then Kevin's the, the youngest. Yeah. That's cool. Oh, eldest, middlest, youngest. Yes. And that is not the order of height at all. No, it's, it's the, the opposite, opposite order. Yeah. <laughs> I have three younger brothers, and they're all taller than me, so I totally get it. So I depressing. feel your pain. The two of you seem to work exceptionally well together. You've created a whole bunch of amazing projects together. And Full Circle Theater is doing some revolutionary related things when it comes to theater here in Calgary. I wish the two of you nothing but success. But of course, this isn't going to come out until Saturday. (laughs) So the odds of you getting to see the show are very minimal. That's why you need to go and back the Indiegogo mm-hmm. immediately. Yeah. As soon as put your name in there, get onto the waiting list so that when they drop the announcement, when Indiegogo campaign starts, we can get them to the amount of money that they need to have to not only make episode two, three, and four a reality, but to do more than that and properly compensate everyone who's involved in this production. I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to meet with me today. Thank you for having yes. us. Yes, thank you so yeah. much. Yeah.